This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. Listen to the Labor and Energy Show and get educated from expert guests about climate change. What they say and who they are will surprise you. Presented by PBF Energy, Neuter Construction, and Furness Electrical Contractors. The Labor and Energy Show, this Sunday night at 6. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Welcome in everyone to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. We're glad you're tuning in with us for another edition, another week, J. Doc, as oh, yeah. we start to move and transition uh, into what is getting through uh, the first quarter of 2023, back for year two oh, yeah. of the Labor and Energy Show. And we've uh, kind of started to set the foundation. I hope I'm saying that correctly, but we've set the foundation uh, going into 2023 where we've intensified uh, the narrative. We continue to educate uh, the listening audience, and we've got a great show today with a union spotlight with one of our partners and a big uh, contributor and a big uh, partner uh, as part of that labor and energy umbrella. Absolutely, Joe. We get the opportunity every week to to showcase our labor and energy leaders. Uh, We we get the the opportunity to educate the public uh, on our labor issues, but also our you know, uh, labor and energy as, as they relate to the uh, energy sector. Um, and this week is going to be a fantastic show. Uh, certainly, I'm excited to have into the program the Bill Sprawl, Executive Secretary, Treasurer, Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters. Bill, how are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful, gentlemen. How are you guys today? Well, we're doing great, man. And, and, and um, you know, this is a, it's such a, a big topic when we talk about energy and, and um, you know, and, and how our, our labor union community uh, is such a big part of our, our traditional energy sector. And, and at the, uh, you know, we also talk about, listen, um, educate the public on the importance of our traditional energy resources, obviously the role that labor has. Uh, and, and of course, you know, as we transition uh, and bring renewable renewables in, 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 into the market. A uh, big part of what is important is working together with traditional energy resources, renewables, and organized labor that makes it all happen. And of course, we're going to get into a lot of stuff when it comes to organized labor and, and the role we have in a lot of different areas. So if you will, as we begin, tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, uh, your career path as executive, uh, executive secretary treasurer uh, of the uh, Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters. Sure, sure. Um, well, listen, let's go back to the early 1980s, I guess. Um, I grew up in Delco, and I had the wonderful opportunity to uh, leave the neighborhood every summer and actually go down to the Jersey Shore and I started working as a roofer's helper probably about, uh, I'm going to say maybe 1981. Uh, I think I was in like ninth grade. And every summer I worked as a roofer's helper alongside of actually union roofers down the shore, a company called Sites Roofing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was owned by one of my uncles. And it gave me an experience, uh, you know, in the trades. So fast forward to uh, turning 18, I got into roofer's local 30. 
and I was doing a lot of the houses down the shore and some commercial work and stuff like that. And I started trying to apply to the carpenters, um, both in Philadelphia and down the shore in the Atlantic City local. And it just happened that after about three years of uh, trying out and doing the application process and stuff, I got into the apprenticeship in Local 623, which is now Local 255 South Jersey, and that was in 1989. Now, before you go any farther, but it's really interesting because <clears throat> it, 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 you talk about the apprentice programs, and we're going to talk about them. But um, you know, it's it, you know, it, 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 it's a great example of of you know young people, and it happens all the time. You know, uh, wanting to apply into a labor union uh, and really st- you know staying at it, and finally getting that opportunity. Um, it's such a uh, you know a big part of of the entire process. So I mean, kudos to you as a young person, um, you know, for sticking with it uh, and 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 eventually getting in. And obviously, here we are today. But it's just a great example of of sometimes the path at the beginning and staying with it. Sometimes you don't get in the first year, but if you stick with it, anything's possible. Oh, absolutely. We we actually for the Atlantic City applications, we had to sleep out at night. And they only took 15 people a day for two weeks. So they would take 150 applications every year. And, man, it was freaking January, guys. So, you know, getting there at about 10 a.m. the night before, you know, with your beach chair and your blanket and uh, wait until 7 o'clock in the morning was rough, man. But uh, I hung in there, and it finally worked out for me. First-generation guy, too. And, and, and there you go, first generation. It's amazing to me, and I'll say this: um, I was a, a you know, and I you know, I'm a retired iron worker, but I was an iron worker since 1982. And uh, you know, you, especially with education today, uh, when, when you when you talk about the different career paths, um, the, an apprenticeship is such a such a valuable commodity, and and so many people. Schools at, at at one point didn't you know it was it was college or bust, um, and so many people have different aptitudes, and an apprenticeship is such a big deal. I remember when I got in uh, the iron workers, I had gotten fired from my bartending job. My dad was the head of the union, and he said to me that day. Uh, I, I was told I was taking the test when I got out in, you know, at, a, at high school. And then a couple of months later, I got canned from my bartending job. And I was in Ironworkers Apprentice School that night. I took it for granted. I was, I thought I was born on third base. Okay. And, and, and so it, it took, of course, after years, I mean, there were guys that I met over the years that took three, I mean, five, 10 years to get in. It wasn't until I realized, obviously, after being there for a while, um, that, Okay, I was lucky, and that isn't a path that everybody gets gets to choose. Um, somebody like yourself, a first generation uh, carpenter, um, is a great example of stick to this, and and certainly a good message to people out there listening. Oh, absolutely! I'm looking back; it was the the greatest thing I ever did, and and one of the greatest experiences I ever had was uh, being a part of the apprenticeship program. Absolutely. And we're going to get into the apprenticeship program. So you mentioned the local. Let's let's demonstrate to the listeners how diverse the work that the unions are when it comes to the carpenters. Who do you represent? Who are your members? What do they do? And and how diverse are, you know, are the carpenters? Because there's a lot of trades there. Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Well, um, Eastern Atlantic states is uh, a regional council, which is amongst 24 regional councils in the United States and Canada for the United Brotherhood of Carpenters. And my particular council uh, consists of six states, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, Delaware, Maryland, uh, the District of Columbia, Virginia, and West Virginia. And within those six states, we have uh, probably about... It's over 42,000 members. I'm going to say right around 42.5, and it's ever-growing. Uh, we're looking forward to expanding our membership opportunities throughout the council. But uh, the diversity of the carpentry trade is amazing. Most people think that, you know, carpenters are, are wood and nails and stuff like that, right. trim, wood framing, things like that. But there's so many different applications. I mean, if you look at the way that commercial construction is done now in the twenty, you know, in the twenty first century. I mean, with the metal studs and uh, panelization and all the new technology. But we have uh, carpenters that specialize in that type of stuff. 
which we call interior systems, which can be everything from door hardware to uh, drywall installation, uh, doors, trim, uh, ceilings, things like that. And floors, uh, we have we have floor layers that specialize in doing carpet, VCT, vinyl, uh, the uh, hospital floors that you see that have to be heat welded. We also have um, cabinet makers that work in shops and do fabrication, custom fabrication, and install custom millwork. And we represent the pile drivers, which they do heavy foundation work and uh, high-rise vertical concrete, uh, heavy highway concrete, you know, bridges and structures of that nature, as well as, uh, let me see, we've got the millwrights, which is a very unique term. Right. I was, I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, we, we just actually, there was a, an independent millwright council called the uh, Northeast Millwright uh, Council of Carpenters. And basically, that was dissolved last fall. So I ended up with all the mill rights coming from that council within our territorial jurisdiction, which represents about 2,500 folks. And they are highly specialized. Um, they set machinery, pumps, compressors. Uh, they do turbines. They work at nuclear power plants. And with the offshore wind that's coming off the coast of Jersey, as well as some of the other states in our jurisdiction, we anticipate our millwrights and our pile drivers to be extremely busy for for the next decade or so. Actually, and and it's interesting because the, the words uh, collective bargaining come to mind when I hear all the areas of trades you know that 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 are, are under the carpenter uh, name. And uh, you know, you mentioned you know, organizing is such a big deal. Um, and there's power in numbers, right? And so, um, the vision, uh, you know, uh, with the leadership of the carpenters, obviously growing and growing, organizing, expanding this, a lot of unions right now are expanding the scope of work. Um, and, uh, with the new, like you said, the new technologies coming out, uh, it's so important, um, to have leadership that, that, you know, understands that and, and understands expanding the scope of work is so important. Oh, absolutely. It's, a, it's an ever-changing world out there. And uh, just to give you an example, they, they, have these, uh, they have these machines now called Panelmax machines that actually uh, they fabricate drywall into different types of profiles. So, you know, back in the old days, if, if we were framing up a very intricate ceiling or something, like, say, in one of the casinos, you know, you'd have to... <clears throat> frame every profile and then actually cut drywall and attach it to the, to the framing that you created in the ceiling to make the, uh, you know, the geometrical shapes of the, the soffits as for the architectural drawing. And now they've got these machines that just whip up these uh, multi-sided profiles of drywall and they come in on a truck and they're 10 foot long and, uh, you know, different things like panelization. It just cuts down on hours because you're not doing as much as build right. on the site. Right. But you have to embrace that technology because uh, the, the contractors need our men and women to be productive so that they can make a profit and they can go and out, go out and bid the next job and, and keep our membership busy. So we've embraced every, every type of technology that comes down the block. And it's been difficult because you, you see things, uh, you know, it used to take six or eight carpenters to do something. Yeah. And now this thing, the same task can be done with two or three. But and, it's, uh, and it's the old adage, we, every day we go to work, we're working ourselves out of a job, but that's, that's the name of the game. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't sit around and, and, and make it, uh, you know, you don't want to wait around and, and not be productive because oh, yeah. if your contractors aren't making money, then they're, they're not going to be out there hiring our folks. Absolutely. Bill Sproul is our special guest here for the full hour. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. Just a quick reminder as we go into our uh, first commercial break, if you miss any of today's show and you want to re-listen to the broadcast or any of the Labor and Energy specials, just go to Apple or Spotify and search the Labor and Energy Show. Back in a moment. First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420. 
Jim Snell, business manager. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with Jadock and Krause, pay attention to those action alerts, which you'll hear uh, weekly during the Labor and Energy Show, Doc, We add it into the programming, the action alerts, which will keep the listening audience more informed uh, and specific to a call to action if needed. Absolutely, Joe. I want to, uh, you know, a little, little alert out there. We're going to be doing our energy education and awareness conference uh, in sometime in April or, or the beginning of May, and uh, that is going to bring in labor leaders and and energy leaders from across the country talk about educating uh, the public and our political leaders on common sense and energy. Obviously, as we move into the future, and so having yeah, that, said that, and that'll be an expand, kind of an expanded addition uh, of what we, we laid the foundation but, Joe, for in year one. You know, this broadcast is airing from Philadelphia, South South Jersey, uh, Philadelphia, uh, obviously in PA, and all the way up uh, Washington D.C. Listen, and it's we're covered, expanding. It's, it's covering Bill's territory. We're but, in Maryland, we're in Virginia, we're in yes. DC, we're in DC, so we're talking right. to Bill's audience, right? And and and, and so it, it, it's interesting. We're, we're ecstatic to have Bill Sproul, Executive Secretary, Treasury, Eastern Atlantic States Regional Car- Council of Carpenters, uh, in our conversation. And Bill, you mentioned so I'm, before we get into to, to your to your contractors because that's such a big deal, okay? Um, leadership, okay, in our labor community um, is so important. It's how we move forward. Um, you guys, it's, it's, you have such a, a, a vast community, um, and at the same time, the leadership is, uh, you know, second to none. Uh, and, and 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 talk about that in regards to the importance of of leadership in our union community, and 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 how the carpenters do such a great job at training the next generation of labor leaders. Wow, that, that is a great question or, or a great. Uh segue into a good conversation rather. Um, I feel fortunate because I, I came up and I was able to actually watch some great leaders along the way, even though our union was much, much different when I started uh, back in the eighties and the nineties and stuff. So I, I really feel blessed. Uh, some of the gentlemen, uh, Frank Spencer, who is our, uh, general vice president, he's, he's the number two person in the UBC right under, uh, general president McCarran. I had the opportunity of uh, Frank being my first organizing director when I was hired as a rep, and then he became the EST, which is my job now. And back then, we only had uh, we had four regional councils in New Jersey. So I actually uh, I've been through five major consolidations and mergers in my time as a representative of the union, which is uh, definitely a lot of change over the course of say twenty four years. But uh, one of the things that, that we have going on at the UBC that's great, I just got back from Las Vegas on Friday night, and I flew out there on Thursday morning. And the purpose of my quick trip out to the desert was uh, we have an international training center out there that is 1.3 million square feet. Wow. Now, when this facility was first built uh, back in 2000, it was only 300,000 square feet. So our international invests a tremendous amount of money, not only in training the membership 
that center out there serves as a uh, pipeline for all the instructors in the training programs go out there and get specialized training and get their certifications uh, upgraded, as well as all of our, um, our staff that are on the union side, the representatives, the organizers, and the council representatives, and the administrative assistants, and the specialty departments, um, they all go out there for different types of training throughout the year. This place is open 365 days a year, basically. And I was out there for a leadership conference that our members go to. And actually, next week, uh, I wish it was our council. We just had 180 people out there. They flew home yesterday. But we go out and uh, they go through a four-day process where they, they learn a lot about productivity and what it means to be a union carpenter. But they get to speak to our general president on Thursday afternoon. And we're out there for that, myself and, and our managers, uh, some, of, some of my middle management and senior management team. And we speak to them on Friday morning for a couple of hours in a Q&A session. And they get to ask the leadership of the council questions and stuff like that. So we have a, a very uh, detailed structure. Uh, we have an organizational chart with, within our council. And we take leadership very seriously. And I tell all the new people, you know, learn something new every day and you're going to be fine in this business. You're not going to learn it all overnight. And, and it's interesting because at the, the visionaries at the top, the, uh, the navigating to, like you said, you know, it's taken a lot of different forms. Um, but that is great leadership, constantly having their eye on the landscape out there. And how many, how many, um, I don't know how to ask this question, but how, how many members do you represent? And how many, if you, if you know, how many carpenters are there in your international? five, I think Bill said in the opening segment, right, Bill? Yeah, we got 42,500 within my regional council. Okay. And uh, the UBC has, has approximately a half a million members I mean, uh, nationwide, U.S. and Canada. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I mean that, know, it's that, something that we're, we're trying to grow, obviously, but it's uh, – the big membership for sure. No question about it. And it takes, you know, there's act, there's, there's um, kind of like sectors of academia out there that study labor leadership. Okay. And to be, to be able to lead men and women at that level and make the right decisions. Sometimes they're not the easiest decisions, but the success that the carpenters are, have had the second to none, you're talking about a half a million person membership across the country. So impressive. Now you, you Bill, you mentioned something and then, let's talk about your contractors. One of the things that annoys the heck out of me, it drives me crazy. Uh, we've, you know, when, when you hear somebody talk about, you know, oh, collective bargaining, we negotiate all those things. It's so important. But when, when they talk about their, their you know, their, their contractors or their employers, like they're the enemy. Without them, we wouldn't have a job. We're working together. Sometimes we don't always agree. Uh, and, 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 but great leadership, uh, obviously, is able to bring everybody together. Talk about, um, you know, the, the carpenter contract contractors and, and, and how important they are, obviously, to what you do on a daily basis. Well, you know, our contractors, like you said, are, they're our partners. And with, without them, uh, our, our members wouldn't have the employment opportunities. So that's how we focus. Uh, we're certainly a, a pro-business uh, organization. Uh, just as an example, last year, we ha- had to negotiate and bargain over 50 uh, collective bargaining agreements. Wow. Now, a lot of them were major uh, major metropolitan construction markets through different associations, and, and others were independent employers, uh, you know, with the, with the 9A contracts and the maintenance contracts and things of that nature. So last year, uh, this year, we're working on over, I think it's about 25 of them or so. And I know a lot of the millwrights uh, have their contracts are up. Uh, we're negotiating the contract right here in Philadelphia with GBCA and IFCA, which is uh, GBCA, the General Building Contractors Association uh, with Ben Connors, who heads it up. Mm-hmm. And then the IFCA Association is a, um, a drywall, Interior Systems Drywall Association. So we've got those contracts. Um, later this week, I'll be down in Maryland starting the contract in the D.C., uh, Northern Virginia, Maryland area with uh, an association called Triple C's. And that gentleman's name is uh, George Maloney, who runs that association. 
So we develop really good relationships with our associations as well as uh, the contractors that are members of those associations and our independent contractors because it's important for them to succeed if our members are going to succeed, and, and that's the way we approach the business. And 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 most of the time, when you, so when, so when listeners are are, are are hearing this, when when you the carpenters work a lot for the general contractor. So and and usually the superintendent on a job on a high rise building, uh, or is often uh, a, a carpenter, uh, which is a little different than a lot of other trades who work for the subs, uh, particularly in particular, um, the carpenters f- uh, fulfill a a. Uh, a major role with the general contractor, correct? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I had a, a nickname when I was younger, and I worked in the field, and it, it kind of portrays, uh, you know, what a carpenter actually does if you really apply yourself during your apprentice training as well as as you're a journeyman on the job. And they used to call me, don't call the hall Billy does it all, right? (laughs) Awesome. So if if you take a look at all those individuals you're describing that are are working for the GCs as general foremen and superintendents and project managers and senior project managers, um, some people take a a college path to get to those positions or perhaps engineering and stuff like that. But there's no better training than than being a, a carpenter or another type of a tradesman in the field out there, you know, building whether it's industrial or whether it's healthcare or you know, multifamily, uh, heavy highway, all that stuff. I mean, the experience—it's an experience of a lifetime. So our members that are actually in those leadership positions for the general contractors that you spoke of—they've—they've uh, they've been doing this work all their lives. Uh, they know how to build. They know how to read drawings. Uh, they're, they're just amazing folks. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the education piece, too. You've got to continue your education. There's so many different uh, classes available to our members through journeyman upgrading. And a lot of the members take advantage of that. And they're, they're very bright uh, men and women out there doing that type of work. Absolutely. Good conversation with Bill Sproul, who's joining us here on the Labor and Energy Show. And, J-Doc, as we go to a break, I hope the listening audience starts to um, understand and visualize how incredibly talented um, all of the unions are. And when you think about it, and, you know, you drive into the uh, city of Philadelphia, or you drive into D.C., and you see these incredible buildings, know that they're built by the hands of some incredible people that are very talented. And as Bill mentioned, very educated. That's what I'm saying. The education is incredible. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the apprentice program. Then we're going to get into the energy sector and, and what the carpenters do um, to be a big part of that. And the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause resumes after the break. This is a Labor and Energy Action Alert. Did you know the Pennsylvania Water Resource Act, if passed, will charge Pennsylvania businesses for water usage integral to the operation of the businesses, many of which that provide PA residents with vital services? The expenses of charging for such water usage will be astronomical and may jeopardize the operations of the businesses themselves as well as jobs. Take action now. Subscribe to www.gov.net to track this legislation and call your PA state representatives and voice your opinion to oppose the Pennsylvania Water Resource Act. Quality PA businesses and good paying jobs depend on it. What's a boiler maker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. 
Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause, we thank everybody for tuning in to uh, the broadcast today and every week, J. Doc, as we get an opportunity to deliver weekly uh, this hour show, the Labor and Energy Show. And again, just want to remind everyone because people are um, downloading the podcast and Apple and Spotify. If you're tuning in, perhaps for the very first time, and you want to re-listen to our conversation today with Bill or any of the Labor and Energy shows uh, in the history so. Far, the short history or our tenure, uh, go to Apple or Spotify and search the Labor and en- Labor and Energy Show. J Doc, back to you. Absolutely, Joe. And we're talking to Bill Sproul and and a great conversation. Bill, let's just touch on because it's a big topic. We're talking about education. Let's talk about the apprentice schools and what a valuable part of what we are as a labor union community. Um, our apprenticeships uh, provide not only obviously um, you know as far as quality goes, but to our con- Contractors and the quality of the education uh, that the, that the uh, members get. Well, we we've got four training funds within uh, my regional council, and we used to have five, but uh, we we went through an extensive merger last year. We merged the health and welfare and pension funds in the Philadelphia and vicinity area with the the New Jersey uh, pension health and welfare, and we also merged the two apprenticeship programs together. So that whole entity now is called the Eastern Atlantic States Carpenters Funds. And then the training side of it is called the Eastern Atlantic States Technical College. And we're in the process right now of being accredited where all of our apprentices are going to come out of apprentice school with an associate's degree. Wow. Um, now, in the past, we, we've partnered up with different uh, colleges and universities in order for the individuals to get the uh get certain college credits and that's still going on. But once we go through this accreditation process, which is probably going to take the better part of this year, uh, we are, we are going to be a technical college. And uh, that usually consists of a a four year apprenticeship. And some of the apprenticeships are specialized. Obviously, uh, you know, we're not going to teach mill cabinet carpenters how to do pile driving and things of that nature. So they kind of go into a program that's based on their discipline and what local and what specialty they're doing. And they do a four year apprenticeship. They earn as they learn. Uh, They don't incur any kind of college debt or anything. And uh, they have to get a certain amount of hours we're, we're having our apprentices have to get 1,800 hours on the job training to move up to the next level because we found if they don't get enough OJT, uh, it hurts them if they, if they become journeymen too early. So it's a very regimented program. And I have to add that we just purchased a um, school in Sticklerville, and it's actually a dive school. Wow. And it's going to be for our pile drivers that specialize in underwater construction and welding and things of that nature. That's incredible. And the school is located on a quarry. So we're in the process right now of getting our uh, certifications updated so that we can teach people how to be uh, commercial divers. And they're actually also going to be part of our pile drivers uh, and go through an extensive apprenticeship for underwater construction. So that's that's a pretty I mean, I mean, addition to our family of training centers. Yeah, and, and we talked about expanding the scope of work, but and, and and one of the things I'd like to point out to our listeners that Bill just said was, you know, when you get an apprenticeship, first of all, the value. So you're fairly soon when you graduate from uh, the apprentice school, the carpenter's apprentice school, you you're going to have an associate's degree. Uh, you're going to have a, a there's a four year program and an education. Okay, the value of that education is, um, you know, through what is the value of that education? I mean, it's got to be. Some say that you know, it's 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 the the value of a, an Ivy League education, um, and it doesn't cost. The, you know, you're not paying out of pocket. We don't take. It's not a grant program. Um, the carpenters union and the other unions with that that have their apprenticeships fund themselves. That you know, it, it's just an unbelievable opportunity. Uh, you know that, and, and you talk about the wide array of individual of types of skills that that the you know the individuals are 
you know, are, are learning on a daily basis. What, what, what's the value of an education like this, uh, Bill? Well, you know, I, I would say it's approximately about $10,000 uh, per year per student is what our cost is to put somebody through the apprenticeship. But just think if you had a, a son or a daughter that was even in community college to get the associate's degree, um, that's, that's going to run you, you know, at least $30,000 just to get somebody, you know, through the, the door to have an associate's degree to go on to possibly do their bachelor's. So, you know, earning as you learn, not incurring any debt. Um, I do have to mention, you know, with our training funds, throughout my whole council, are, we spend over $40 million on an annual basis. Incredible. And I would say that, that the budget for the Eastern Atlantic States Technical College, which consists of uh, schools in the Lehigh Valley on down through uh, southeastern PA, Delaware, and lower Delaware, and New Jersey, um, that budget alone is over $20 million per year. That's our biggest training fund. I mean, we're investing in the future. When you talk about, just so people understand this, you see these big projects, these big um, construction projects, okay, and they're multi-million dollars. What the great thing about an apprenticeship and and, and that program is what you're offering to the to the contract. I mean, if somebody uh, gets sick or goes on a vacation, even there's somebody that you can get from the union hall that's just as skilled. Safety is. I want to get into the energy sector fairly uh, soon, but. Um, Safety also such a big part of, of what you do. I mean, I'm thinking about you know underwater welding and, and those type of things. Um, you know, obviously the, the the education when it comes to health and safety, Bill, got to be a priority. Uh, absolutely, safety is is of the utmost importance. Whether it's with our training programs or on the job sites, and uh, actually there there's a whole new niche of uh, opportunity coming out. Because we have, uh, our international has a program now where they're certifying uh, job site safety inspectors and things of that nature, where it's, a, it's another accreditation. It's a pretty intense class. But uh, we, we teach safety and uh, every single day. It's so important. Um, I also want to mention two quick things before we do get into energy, guys. I got to save the date for the listeners, okay? And it's coming up on March 30th. It also happens to be my 27th anniversary, actually. All right. But uh, we're, uh, so I, I'm taking my wife to uh, a, an apprentice. Well, we're having a, it's called Construction Showcase. It's at Atlantic City Convention Center. Awesome. And it's going to be on the 30th. And 50 of our best fourth-year apprentices from all around the regional council are going to be competing in different types of uh, carpentry and skills and flooring and things of that nature. Awesome. And then we're going to have an awards dinner uh, that evening at the Ocean's Casino. And But what we're also doing for our pile drivers, because they can't really do much inside of a, a convention center. You can't really weld in there and stuff like that with the fumes. Uh, we have an outdoor training center across from our indoor training center in Hamilton that has five acres cleared. Um, we, we're in the process of actually hiring a union operating engineer to work with us. But we have a, uh, we have an 80 ton truck crane out there. We have pile driving rigs. Uh, we, we build, uh, mock ups for bridge abutments and hammerheads and put in coffer dams and, uh, drive piling and sheets and all that kind of stuff. Uh, heavy, heavy concrete construction. So there's going to be some apprentices out there competing, and that's going to be simulcasted into the convention center where the apprentices are going to be competing indoors. And, and it's such a that's so awesome. Yes, it sounds I like mean, an incredible and an amazing, middle, amazing event. Well, here's the thing: you're in a community. You, you know, you're in, you're in a, a union like, like the Carpenters Union. Um, you're in a community. It's well, I always say, and that's a fantastic. And we'll shout that out before again before the uh, the show ends. But um, that's just a great example of of you know it, it builds such solidarity. Uh, you know, you want it, it's a big part of. By the way, those events are such a big part of uh, understanding and learning about you know unionism and your brothers and sisterhood and all those things. Such a big deal. I always say this, Bill. 
be the difference between being in a union and not being in a union is the difference between having a job and a career. And uh, the, the opportunity, the living wages, uh, the fantastic uh, wages, the, the, the ability to have a, a family. It's just what it's what it's all about. And the carpenters are, uh, the, you know, the, the great example of, 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 of what it's all about. Uh, Joe, what do we got left in this segment? Well, I'll give you an option to do one of two things. We can break now and then come back and take the conversation right to the end. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's do you that. Want to do okay. I want to get into the energy stuff. All right. Bill Sproul, we'll ask you to hold on for just a second. We'll uh, break for the benefit of the listening audience. We'll take a short break here on the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. We'll finish it up on the other side with Bill Sproul. Back in a moment. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden rent costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 18 18- That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. The Eastern Atlantic State's Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union work including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best-trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit eascarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Listen to the Labor and Energy Show and get educated from expert guests about climate change. What they say and who they are will surprise you. Presented by PBF Energy, Neuter Construction, and Furness Electrical Contractors. The Labor and Energy Show, this Sunday night at 6. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the Labor Union Community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. Hope you're enjoying our conversation with Bill Sproul. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. Very quick, J-Doc. This has been a quick, quick uh, one-hour show. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. Absolutely, Joe. And this is the Labor and Energy Show. Let's talk a little bit of energy. Um, And and, and we're having a great conversation with Bill. It's a a great example of what great leadership um, sounds like. And and I hope that people are enjoying this uh, show because it's a spotlight not only on the carpenters, but also on our union community. Bill, let's talk a little bit about the energy sector, which the carpenters are a big part of uh, in regards to our refineries and a number of other um, you know, d- different areas. Talk about the refineries as they relate the jobs and particularly the carpenters and the impact they have. The, the refineries have been a great source of employment you know, for, for decades for our members as well as other trades. And uh, our primary job uh, inside the refineries is building the scaffolds so that uh, all the other trades can access uh, different types of components and machinery and and things within the refinery and within that whole industry. So sometimes, uh, you know, they may take a refinery offline and actually redo quite a few of the the units and things of that nature. And, and we can have, uh, you know, 100, 200, 300 carpenters working in a refinery when, when that happens. And, uh, you know, the ones that are down in Marcus Hook and Delaware City and then over on the Jersey side and then up in, uh, up in Elizabeth there, there's, uh, there's Phillips uh, 66 Bayway. They're, they're crucial to employment opportunities. So many of our members and other trades have worked there and continue to work in those facilities. And I hope that, uh, you know, our country starts to realize that with energy and when it comes to oil and gasoline and refineries and stuff like that, you know, it's not a, a one size fits all. And, and we're going to have to keep gasoline around for a while. 
uh, much to what you, you hear where, you know, everything's going to be converted over to electric. Um, listen, I, I see it as a national security issue. Um, God forbid something happens and, and our military has to be deployed. Uh, you can't run tanks on electric batteries, you know, guys. Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting about that is, and, and educating our our, our our listeners. That's why we talk about working together as we as as renewables come into the market. One of the things we've learned is through our labor leadership and our energy leadership is that. Uh, you know, working together to you know to to have common sense in the process. Um, we you know it's important for us that we feel like to educate our union members uh, on on you know really the details and the facts about what we're doing. You, you know, you talk about what 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 gets frustrating is we end up shutting ourselves down in this country on you know in in so many different ways, and yet we import the same products and 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 you know from. You know, overseas, and our, you know, we, you and I have talked about our safety, uh, you know, and, and the priority there, um, but also uh, the environmental approach. I can't tell you how, uh, you know, really, uh, I guess, supportive and pro environment our labor community is and our energy community, and yet a lot of people, because the narrative gets gets switched, um, you know, you know, to the extreme left environmental movement, that it's all or nothing. And there's 6,000 products a day that we use every day, um, uh, you know, from fossil fuels. And so, what do you, th- how do you think we educate, you know, best educate our members um, to this so they get involved uh, in the process? Because y- y- you talk about national security, Bill, you just made a great point. Electric is one thing, technology and all that. But also, imagine, you know, we need those resources. Now we have to get them imported by, you know, foreign adver- you know, adversaries. Talk about uh, that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's key. I, I think the education piece for our membership uh, has to just be continuous. And uh, our, our members are smart. They understand that the world is changing and that the energy industry is changing. But uh, you have to take a, a, a wide approach to it. Yep. And everybody's got to understand, you know, gasoline's going to be around for a while. It's going to have to be. And um, there's, the renewables are great, but they're not going to be able to power everything overnight or even within the next two or three decades, rather. And you're going to see a lot of talk about the hydrogen industry. Uh, mm-hmm. From what I understand, West Virginia is, is lobbying to try to become a major hydrogen hub. And I would imagine there's other there might even be some areas in, in southeastern PA. Yeah, well, in Chester, side, where they're going to try to do that. Yeah, well, no, we're right? we're we're, the, we're trying. You know, we have, I believe, two hydrogen hub applications. One in in, in Chester, Jimmy Snell from the from the Steamfitters is on that committee. It's a wide yep. community. Uh, you know, you know, a, a big committee. One of the things I learned about you know our labor leadership and our, our energy uh, uh, you know leadership is that um, you know. Everybody's educated on what's going. We talk about, you know, you talk about electric vehicles. Nobody's against electric vehicles, okay? But what is difficult is when they put mandates on them, okay, which stops investment in our traditional energy resources, and we don't even have solutions for the critical minerals needed for the batteries. And there's so much going on, and we've done shows on that. We just feel like educating and having great labor leadership at at at, at the front, so that we don't cut our noses off despite our face. And in the process, have our industries, our our jobs, and our resources decimated because. We're doing things that don't have solutions yet, and and talk about that if you want. What labor can do at the forefront to, to impact this situation in a positive manner? Well, I think uh, if if you just look at the people that live in and around the Philadelphia metropolitan area that live in the row house neighborhoods, right? Yep. How the hell are they going to get enough chargers for those people oh, to yeah. have electric cars? It's it's just you know certain situations. I mean, I know folks that actually have a T twenty line. And they have electric cars, and they love them, and, and God bless them. And yeah, nobody say, listen, let, let's yeah. yeah, let's bring them into the market, but let's do it naturally. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's going to be a, pro- a progressive shift in different technologies. We're going to see. Um, I think you're actually going to see a lot of uh, what they call the micro reactors on the nuclear side, too, gentlemen. I'm hearing that uh, you know they would they would like to put micro reactors on the sites of the nukes that are currently being decommissioned. And uh, 
We're working out at uh, Three Mile Island in Pennsylvania. And we also have some folks that are working up in uh, Indian Point, New York, on a decommissioning. Um, I, I forgot to mention, we, we also represent uh, a couple of hundred rad techs now that do the uh, radiation technology within the nuclear power plants during the, uh, you know, they, they handle all the stuff during the decommissioning and make sure that all the other workers are safe. Yeah, I mean, and the safety, uh, you know, we talk about our refineries um, and, and you know, our energy sector. Uh, you, you always got to stick with safety. It's such a priority and educating um, our, our uh you know, our workforce on, uh, you know, when, when you get into energy and hydrogen hub and you hear a lot of crazy stuff, like, you know, I mean, how, how dangerous it can be. Um, when it comes to labor, we're prior, that's priority number one. And so, uh, Bill, listen, man, this has been the, the fastest hour in radio, man. Uh, a fantastic job and, and a great example of why our labor community is so strong. Um, Bill, you know, you, you do a phenomenal job and, 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 and uh, it's a great example of why, you know, the next generation of, of leaders is in good hands right now, Joe. Yeah, and you think about that event coming up again, and I'm going to use the, I'm going to reference it again on March 30th at the Atlantic City uh, Convention Center. What a day that will be. It, it, just the way Bill had described it, it oh sounds my God. Uh, like it will be phenomenal. And of course, wrapping up at a great location, the Ocean Casino oh. uh, Resort, uh, where I've, as you know, Jay Doc, did my Eagles pre- and post-game show all season long. Absolutely. Um, what a great location the Ocean Casino is to bring everything together after what should be, Bill, a fantastic day uh, on March uh, 30th. Um, Bill Sproul, thanks a million, man, for uh, giving us the full hour today on the Labor and Energy Show. I think it was a good listen for uh, the oh. audience to get a real good feel and a real good flavor uh, from Bill. Absolutely, Bill. We appreciate it. Certainly, uh, you know, it, it, what, what, it was, it's a great example of not only what the carpenters do on a daily basis, how vast they are, and what a quality organization and quality workers uh, are, are produced there, but also what our union community is. And, and uh, we, we really appreciate your time, Bill. And after all these, after all these broadcasts, J-Doc, uh, nine years into the labor show and a year and a half now, or just getting started on year two in the labor and energy show, uh, we may have found your replacement to come yeah. in. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> Well, when gentlemen, Bill's gentlemen, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. This has been great. Awesome. Very exciting. And uh, I look forward to coming on the show again sometime. Anytime, uh, Bill. We uh, really appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Okay, guys. All Take right. care now. Right. Bye-bye. That's Bill Sproul, J-Doc, uh, as that concludes wow. the Labor and Energy Show. On behalf of my partner, J-Doc, and all of our listeners tuning in today to the Labor and Energy Show, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre recorded.